It's Test Tube Thursday here on More in the Morning, and again, I tried to keep a couple of the regulars on the show despite vacations. Dan Riskin uh, is in Florida now, but I had the chance to chat with him before he left. He is, of course, News Talk 1010 science guy, and it is always great to chat with Dan Riskin. Great to talk to you. Happy New Year soon. Yes, Happy New Year soon, indeed. So, uh, listen, Dan, I mean, we're not pretending like this is live. You have children, uh, and you're making a drive down to Florida. Listen, I know you're a guy who loves science, and I'm just wondering, is this some sort of personal or family experiment you conduct? (laughs) I do have twins, and so I should be doing more experiments. I feel guilty, but no, this is... uh, We did the the control of staying in Toronto for two years when we promised the kids we'd be going to Florida, and then we didn't because first it was the pandemic, and then it was, oh, the pandemic's almost over. Oh, no, Omicron. No, you kids, we're not going after all. So this year we're going to Florida. And uh, hopefully, as you hear my voice, I am with the kids on a beach somewhere in Florida, enjoying some slightly warmer temperatures than what we have in Toronto, I hope. Yeah, yeah, no no doubt about that. So I hope you are having a lovely time here. But it's kind of funny that one of the topics that you threw at me for this was talking about driving. And that's where we're going to start things off. You know, test driving any car is going to help you make the decision on whether to buy it or not. But this in particular is true with electric vehicles. So there's a new study that's revealed that a test drive really does assist in the purchase of an EV. But more than just the way that it drives, Dan, this is a mindset thing for people. Yeah, this is some cool research out of the Ohio State University. And I'm excited about this because on the drive back from Florida, I'm going to be stopping in the city in Ohio, in Columbus, where the Ohio State University is, because Mm -hmm. one of my best friends from back in the grad school days, that's where he's a professor and he has a captive colony of vampire bats there. And I'm hoping (laughs) that my kids can see the captive vampire bats. So fingers crossed on that. But anyway, this is from the same university. I doubt I'll be doing anything relating to this study while I'm there. Um, But they're looking at what it takes to get people on board for electric cars. And so they basically did a bunch of surveys for people before they test drove a car and then they test drove the car and then they did a bunch of questions afterwards. And what they found is that people, uh, you know, different people have different reactions, but by and large, some people think of themselves differently after they drive the car. They feel like they're adopting a new technology and they kind of feel kind of cool about that. Uh, They also feel like this could be a status symbol, you know, having Mm. an electric car people might think I'm kind of cooler than I was before. And that influences, you know, both of those could have an influence on whether they decide to buy the car. But what they found is that ultimately the decision to buy the car has much more to do with how you feel about yourself behind the wheel than what you think it's going to communicate to other people, which is kind of a surprise. You'd think it's a a status symbol, you know, beginning and end of it. People that have those fancy electric cars, you think, oh, they're just doing that to show off, you know, because those are expensive cars. But uh, it turns out that it, it gives you a feeling when you get the behind the wheel of one and test drive it. And that's what drives people, they find, drives people, pardon the pun, mm-hmm, to uh, mm-hmm. buy an electric car. I, you know, I actually got the chance a few years ago. I was one of the spokespeople for the Honda Ion or the Hyundai Ionic. That Careful. is, yeah, so yeah. I got, to, yeah, I know, very different companies. Uh, I got to, uh, I got to drive that. That was pretty cool. And then Dan, I saw the Dream Machine. It's on its way, and it is a redo of the VW Bus that oh. is coming out. I think next year, and it's all electric. I mean, looking at this thing, I'm already sold. I can't wait to take it for a test drive. That's so cool. Yeah. And and you'll find that it's how it makes you feel. Not, I mean, according to this study anyway, it's going to be how you feel behind the wheel of that thing. Not so much how cool everybody else will think you are when you're driving that electric VW bus. 
So let's move along here. Even though you managed to bring up bats when we were talking about cars somehow, some way, I should expect that by now listening to you and talking to you so much. Yes. But research has revealed which animals perceive time the fastest. This is our second story. Now, so a perception of time. Now, when I read this story, is this kind of like a vision thing? For instance, when you see the first person perspective of the DC superhero, the Flash, or I think Marvel does it for Spider-Man, everyone else moves in slow motion in their perception of what real time is is that kind of like what we're talking about here yes and no it's not that so like a fly obviously has quicker reflexes than we do if you've ever tried to slap a fly you know that they're very fast and so Mm -hmm. let's take a fly versus a person they are faster not because the whole world seems like it's slow motion to them but simply because they can operate at those higher speeds and so the the refresh rate of their eyeballs of their neurons is faster so whereas we can handle 65 frames a second basically. Uh, and if a strobe light is going slower than that, we see it as a strobe light. But if it's going faster than that, we don't see the strobe light. Um, oh. So 65 hertz is kind of our cutoff for when we start to be able to see the the individual frames. For a fly, that's up like at 300 instead of 65. So they're way faster than us and they can detect things much more quickly. And this this press release that I pulled up is basically from a talk that someone's going to give at a conference. So the the scientific paper isn't available yet to get into the details, but it's pretty exciting stuff and it should lead to a review paper. Um, But they're basically looking across the the animal kingdom at all the different animals that have had their sort of their their vision rates measured. Uh, Dogs are faster than people. They're at 75, whereas we're at 65. Mm -hmm. But what was surprising, I mean, so some things weren't surprising, like flying things, they tend to have faster refresh rates and, and predators and things that are moving very quickly, those tend to have higher refresh rates. But it, it would turn out that things that live in the water actually have higher refresh rates than things that live on land. And that's counterintuitive because you sort of think of underwater as this slow motion world. But yeah. their logic there was like, if you're on land and you jump at something because you're a predator, like a jumping spider, you're not going to change direction in midair. You're kind of going on a trajectory and you're going to hit them. And so having updated information at a higher rate doesn't really help you but a fish might lunge after something that then ducks out of the way and then the fish has to make an adjustment and can do that because underwater you can turn at that kind of rate right and so fish have incredibly fast like salmon are at like 96 uh frames a second which is crazy so salmon actually have really fast reflexes who knew that yeah that i would not expect that at all definitely not expect that uh all right well let's talk about one of those flying things uh because in this last story i did ask you when we were planning this segment you know dan i kind of like doing stuff that's a little off the beaten path you know give me some of the weird stories and boy did you deliver with our final one you're welcome friend yes you're welcome study reveals wasps use penis spikes to ward off predators now the last time i heard the words penis spikes i was covering the everything to do with sex show for bite tv um now this story really does take stinger to a whole new level dan i don't even know where to begin with this so you've begun two different ways you've done very well beginning with it now let me finish it off here so okay this is a, a wasp that uh so basically some researchers were looking at wasps and people that study wasps uh they're used to getting stung from time to time and they know that usually it's the female that you really have to worry about because the stinger is a modified what's called ovipositor so they have this this thing that sticks out of their rear end that's like a little 
tube and that's what they lay eggs through and so some insects will lay eggs into wood or a little hole in the wood or some insects are really gnarly and they'll lay eggs inside the abdomen of a victim or or something like that and so this ovipositor is a place a way that you can very specifically put your eggs where you want to put them and evolution has changed that ovipositor into a stinger in a bunch of different species so you expect females to have stingers but males don't have ovipositors and so they usually don't have stingers but this uh wasp they found stung the researcher that was holding it they were surprised because they're like i thought this was a male wait it is a male and lo and behold it is modified penis with two spikes on it and just to make sure it really works they fed a whole bunch of these male stinger things to frogs and they've got all kinds of videos of these poor frogs trying to eat the the wasp getting stung on the tongue and then letting it go and when they cut the the penis off the frogs eat them every time so the stinger works wow i know things you learn from science and the animal kingdom yeah, and I'm, you know what? It feels kind of good, but this this is uh, probably one of the last uh, conversations about science I'm going to have in 2022. And to end it on that note is exactly where I want to leave it. So I thank you, sir, for a great conversation and have a great new year. Dan Riskin right there, an interview that we did just before he left. He is in Florida right now. 